Well, thank you, everybody, and uh, we welcome you to the National Shrine of the Divine Mercy. We're grateful that you could be with us. This is a first Saturday, important, especially now as we're preparing for Divine Mercy Sunday. This is the great time to begin, if you haven't been doing the first Saturdays, to be able to begin, and if you have been doing them, for you to continue. Um, right now, we're going to be talking about a very important Marian apparition, that is fully approved called Cabejo. It's the first one approved in Africa, and it's critically important. And then we're gonna get started in the following months getting into ones that are not fully approved, but yet are worthy of talking about, even some that are rejected. So let us begin with a prayer in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we ask you send the Holy Spirit down upon us to bless our time, to open our hearts, to receive the grace you wish to bestow, this grace that you give us and the gift of heaven through your mother Mary that you gave us from the cross. And we ask all this through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So as you can see on your screen, Our Lady of Cabejo, and this is in Africa. Now, these were apparitions that were throughout the entire 1980s. And so I think the message was good because that became, although it was a very good decade, it became a decade of excess. And so let's look at our, our next slide. This is Our Lady of Cabejo. Okay, it's the only Vatican-approved Marian apparition in Africa. The only one. It's the only one. And this is important because the faith is really growing there. It's dying in Europe. It's struggling in the United States but it's flourishing in Africa. So let's look at our next slide. Where is Rwanda? Very interesting, smack dab on the equator, smack dab in the center of the world. Smack dab, it's unbelievable. I think that's one of the reasons Mary picked this little area here. It's a small country located right on the equator in East Central Africa, smaller than the state of Maryland, with only 10 million people, but that's, you know, that's kind of a lot. And when, notice Mary's picture there, she always appears in the form of the culture. So she's darker skin there. She's, she's got that uh, cultural aspect of a local. Now, mainly we know Rwanda from the genocide of 1994. If you don't know about the genocide in 1994, then you need we're going to talk a little bit about it. This was where the Hutus and the Tutsis really, uh, it's, it's still even almost three decades later has just been so hard. So anyway, before this, though, the Blessed Virgin appeared to some children in Rwanda. Sound again familiar? Children. She started in 1981. Okay, there was first 16 girls, six Teen girls, T-E-E-N, so six teenage girls and one boy. Now, look at our next slide, but the bishop approved only the visions of the first three. So as you can see on your screen, here they are. Our Lady appeared to a high school student. The first was Alfonsin, okay? And this was in November 28th, 1981, the birthday of my best friend, Nick Rafko killed in an auto accident 
And I keep thinking, wow, this Mary just keeps, God just keeps bringing the connections and um, amazing. And so um, it's a remote village and Our Lady introduced herself to Alfonsin as the mother of the word. Okay, this is important. So by April of 1982, two more had seen Our Lady and they were Natalie, and this is the first one, basically it's called a Natalie or a Nathalie, and Marie Claire. Now this is interesting. Listen to this. All right, let's go to our next slide. <clears throat> our Lady appeared to them under the name Ayina Wajumbo, which basically means mother of the word or mother of God. And so we can see on this slide here that the Blessed Mother appeared to these three girls, okay, Alfonsin, Natalie, and Mary Claire. They were all in the high school there. Now, when Alfonsin asked who she was, she said, I am Yina Wajambo, which means the mother of the word. These are the last apparitions approved in the church in this area, in the first ever in approved in Africa. Now, this is important because when Mary appeared on November 28, 1981, this was one of the poorest places, one of the poorest schools in, 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 all of, in all of Rwanda or even Africa. Let's go to our next slide. Here's a picture of Alfonsin. She heard a voice calling her, saying, my daughter. All right, so she, she appears, and Mary told Alfonsin that I have heard your prayers. I would like it if your companions had more faith, because some of them do not believe enough. Sound familiar? All right, as with other Marian-approved apparitions, people did not believe her. All right, people did not believe her. Still, she pressed her schoolmates. Check this out. She spread them faith through her schoolmates and asked them to ask the Blessed Mother to appear to them. And that's what happened. Two months later, she appeared to Natalie, and then the following March, she appeared to Mary Claire. Now, what makes this so interesting is that Mary Claire was the one who was persecuting. Mary Claire, the third visionary, was mocking Alfonsin. She was mocking the whole idea of Mary. It sounds a lot like St. Paul, right? And then she has the visions, all right? So she became a victim. She died in the genocide in 1994. And so the Virgin, now all before this, revealed something very interesting. In Fatima, we always hear about the rosary. At Cabejo, we heard about the rosary. But what does Mary bring to this Marie Claire that she once prayed? The Seven Sorrows Chaplet. It's basically done on a rosary, but it's called the Seven Sorrows Rosary or Chaplet. And Mary said it has amazing power. Now, here is what St. Faustina said. Check this out. St. Faustina said that we pray the chaplet to meditate on the passion of Christ. Do you know why we pray the seven sorrows? To meditate on the passion of Mary, her suffering. Doesn't it make sense? If you're going to meditate on the suffering of Jesus, 
The seven sorrows rosary lets us meditate on the suffering of Mary. And that's what we're going to finish by talking about here today. And so this is important. Mary Clear said we must meditate on the passion of Jesus and on the sorrow of Mary. We must recite the rosary and the seven sorrows of Our Lady to obtain the grace of repentance. Here's where it all ties together. When, she, when we pray, Mary said, with a devout heart, this chaplet of the seven sorrows, we will obtain a deeper contrition, a deeper love. And she promised that over time, I don't know if you're ready for this. I hope I am. But Mary promised that if you pray the seven sorrows rosary or chaplet, over time, you will be given an illumination of conscience and that you will given, be given a deep understanding of what your particular sins are and why you're sinning. I found that interesting because I certainly know what my sins are, but I struggle. Why do I, why do I keep falling into these same ones? Why? What is it? What is it that's causing me to fall into these same ones? And Mary's promise. I used to pray the seven sorrows all the time when I was a novice, and I haven't been doing it recently. And I think this is a wake-up call. It can help us change and remove these particular sins. Okay, so what are the seven sorrows? Rosary, let's look at our next slide. Okay. Um, and I skipped a couple slides. I'm sorry, I don't know if Mark was able to keep up, but basically um, I showed the two slides of the two visionaries. If I missed that, I apologize. But now let's jump ahead to the seven sorrows. Now, what are the seven sorrows of Mary? Do you all remember? What's the first one? The prophecy of Simeon, right? The presentation. He says a sword will pierce your heart, right? And so this is the very first one. What's the second sorrow of Mary? The flight into Egypt. They had to uproot their entire existence and leave because of Herod killing the children. Next, number three, the loss of Jesus in Jerusalem. Could you even imagine you're entrusted with the Son of God and you lose him? That would, that would definitely cause some sorrow. That definitely would. All right, number four, Mary meeting Jesus on the road to Calvary. When you pray the stations of the cross, when you get to the fourth station, oh, I'm telling you, pray that when you are going through your, I mean, when you are going through your suffering, all right, when you are going through it, ask Mary to meet you just like she did her son. That's the fourth sorrow. The fifth is Mary at the foot of the cross had to witness her son being murdered. Sixth, Mary receiving Jesus's body. Can't even imagine. A parent is not supposed to receive the body of their child. I remember, I've said before, I've, I've lost my three best friends. I, my three best friends in life, I, the three brothers that I've had outside of my religious community, I've lost all three. Steve Middleton, when I was very young, was my big brother. He died of alcoholism. Then Nick Rafka, who I just mentioned, my best friend growing up, and it just helped me to, to, to grow and everything is just amazing. He, he died in an auto accident. 
And then in high school, my best friend became Bob Brandt, and he died of a heart failure. And I remember at the funeral, his father, as we were looking at Bob in the coffin, and his dad looked at it, and his dad was a man of very few words. And his dad said, a parent is never supposed to bury their child. As he's looking at Bob in the coffin. And I remember thinking at the time, I, I don't have a child, but what that must feel like. Could you imagine Mary receiving the body of Jesus? Can't even fathom how that would affect you. So that's number six sorrow, Mary receiving Jesus' body. And the seventh sorrow is Mary sees Jesus laid in the tomb. This is seeing her beloved son being laid in death into the tomb. Now, through all of this, Mary said, although I am the mother of God and these sorrows are afflicting, I am simple and humble. I always place myself where you are, and where are we? Suffering. Nothing is more beautiful than a heart which offers its suffering to God, she said. So the whole message here is offer up your suffering. That's the entire message here. Pray, pray, pray. Follow the gospel of my son. Do not forget that God is more powerful than all the evil in the world. We're starting to not believe that. We're still now believing that because of the shootings and <clears throat> all this crazy culture that evil is, is, you know, for the first time ever, high school students in the surveys they do believe that evil is just as powerful, if not more powerful than good. First time ever. We can't let that happen. Evil is not more powerful than good. You know what evil is? Evil is just a privation of the good. Evil is just a lack of the good. God is goodness itself. So when we push God out, when we don't have God who's goodness itself, the result is evil because evil is just a lack of the good. Evil's not a real thing. People don't know this. Evil is not a real existing thing. Evil is a lack of something, a lack of the good. This is why when we kick God out of our schools, when we kick God out of our courts, out of our companies, out of our families even, what's left is a privation of the good, and that is evil. That is the definition of evil, a lack of the good, a privation. And so when they have these school shootings and, 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 you know, do you know when all, you know that there, when you look at the 1960s, I've mentioned this before, but it's so important up until 1962, 63 divorce, very low, almost non-existent, very, very low amongst Catholics, aggravated assaults, very, very low, actually declining, unwedded pregnancies, very, very low, declining. Abortions, although it wasn't legal, there were some very, very low, very, very low. Everything was low. You know what happened? After 1962, 63, every one of those skyrocketed. Do you know what happened in 1962, 1963? The Supreme Court outlawed prayer in school. You think that's a coincidence? It's not a coincidence. And so what Mary is telling us here, and she says that, um, that, that, that the good is greater. God is greater than all the evil in the world. She said, also, share, don't, 
don't be selfish. Do not kill, not just the body, but the soul the, the, in, in gossip. Uh, do not persecute. Respect the rights of man. Hey, listen to this. This is very interesting. We always talk about, Father, don't get political. Every time I bring up the right to life, I'm, I'm, I get 100 letters. Stop being political. Listen to what Mary said. Respect the rights of Man, because if you act contrary to those rights, if you take the right of man away, you will not succeed and it will come back against you. You know what the number one right of man is? The right to life. The right to life. We have some of the sisters of mercy or sisters of life with us here today. God bless them. And so when you take that right away, Mary's telling us everything will come back. And so while the others the apparitions of the other two ladies ended in 82 and 83. Alphonse, since she had them for eight years, all the way up to the anniversary, November 28th, 1989. And the content of the visions was generally positive. But here is, I'm going to warn you, this, 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 this topic can get a little troublesome if you have little ones watching. In August of 1982, Mary's tone completely changed. It went from a joyful and a positive note to a sombering wake-up call. In August of 1982, when all the visionaries had finally, uh, the three had actually received their message from Mary, reported that Mary warned everyone that there was going to be something terrible that was going to happen. This reminds me of Fatima, doesn't it? If you're not, heed my warning, a, a great war will come. She actually said this in Rwanda. They all reported seeing violence, dismembered corpses, and widespread destruction. When Our Lady, when this is what, what, what happened, when Our Lady's requests were not fulfilled, what was her request? Change, repent, conversion, just like Fatima. The warning she gave happened. What was it? Let's look at our next slide. If, you're, if you have little children, it's part, we're not going to show anything graphic, but the topic matters a little, little strong. Look at this. The prophecy was fulfilled in a genocide. There was a mass slaughter of Tutsis in Rwanda by the members of the Hutu-majority government. Up to a million Rwandans were killed in 100 days between April 7th to mid-July 1994. 20% of the population of the nation. That's unbelievable. Dozens of children in the school of Cabejo were hacked to death by machetes. Overall, 2 million Rwandans were displaced and became refugees. The genocide was deliberately planned by members of the political elite. Huh. Interesting. Many of whom occupied positions at top levels of the national government. Let's watch a quick one and a half minute video. This is going to explain to you why the genocide happened. So go ahead, it's just a minute and a half. We're gonna play that video. Okay. 
as Rwanda marks the 20th anniversary of an orgy of ethnic killing in which at least 800,000 of their countrymen died, Belgium is hosting a conference on preventing mass atrocities. The genocide was sparked when a plane carrying the then Rwandan president, who was a member of the majority Hutu population, was shot down. Everybody on board was killed. Rwandan Hutus blamed ethnic Tutsis for the attack and seeked immediate revenge. Hutu extremists killed neighbors, friends and family during a three-month rampage of violence aimed mainly at Tutsis. The Hutu forces pressured Hutu civilians to use machetes, clubs, blunt objects and other weapons to rape, maim and kill their Tutsi neighbors and destroy or steal their property. Thousands fled to refugee camps in neighboring countries, which grew into small cities of squalor and disease. Meanwhile, France has pulled out of Monday's anniversary ceremony. This after the Rwandan president accused France of training and arming the Hutu militias, who were the main force behind the slaughter. An accusation Paris always denied. Ce sont des déclarations inacceptables qui ne sont pas These statements are unacceptable, unfounded. We can have a trusted and amicable relationship with Rwanda only once it's based on truth and reconciliation. Et sur la réconciliation. Rwandan President Paul Kagame said that France's Operation Turquoise had not done enough to save lives. <laughs> okay, so on that video, yes, very troubling. So then in, nine, in excuse me, 2001, the bishop declared Cabejo authentic because all of the message, including the prophecy of the description of these children, of what was going to happen came to be a terrible fulfillment of Our Lady's prophecy. One of the most important truths that came out of this was which we don't hear today is how your personal or private sin has consequences. We don't hear about that today. When I sin, when you sin, we dis we we affect the, the whole universe. We, the disharmony of the universe is because of our choice to sin. We are all sinners. We are all broken. But get to confession. Get to confession. All right. Our Lady asked for repentance, giving her children a devotion of the seven sorrows chaplet as a unique power to overcome this. Now, there was a good friend of our Marian community and a genocide survivor, Immaculate. Has anybody here ever heard of Immaculate? Very powerful story. And she explained that too many Rwandans did not listen. And they turned on their brother and sisters and slaughter took place. Let's look at our next slide. This is a picture. She wrote the book Left to Tell. Do you know she hid with six other women in a bathroom? barricaded and hid for months while they heard their family being slaughtered. She lost her parents, her siblings. She lost everyone. She lost everyone. And so Our Lady of Cabehu came to send a message to the world, not just to Rwandans. She came to remind us of the reality 
that we forget. There are consequences to our actions, and so let us learn. She makes this plain in her Magnificat that the Lord loves the lowly and lifts up the little ones and the, in the world to the heights of true power. You know who had the true power here? Not those politicians that ordered the genocide. You know who has the true power? Those little ones, the little humble. So Our Lady's answer to social ills is a personal conversion. If we, all of us, take this note personally and say, I don't want to cause, I don't want to be part of the problem, I want to be part of the solution, then you've got the message of Cabejo. She's given us the means to achieve it. We can become saints by God's grace, mediated to us through his church and the sacraments. You're right here. You got the medicine. This is the medicine. Sorry, I don't mean to be a, a downer because many of Marian's appar Mary's apparitions have a stern message. And I'm just the relayer of that message. All right, so we're going to wrap up here. This may sound hard. This may sound negative. But Father Don Calloway made a great point. He said, before you get caught up in the sternness of Cabejo, did you notice something? He pointed out that Mary sang and even danced with the children. When Mary appeared, she even danced. Father Don said, this is mind-blowing to think about because in the midst of all of these sufferings, it was so satisfying because it reminds us that having fun and living a holy life are not mutually exclusive. I think that's an important message. Now, Let's look at the good news. <laughs> look at our next slide. Much of Africa now is on fire because of Cabejo. Many, many conversions. People walk three hours to hear a three-hour homily. I always laugh. I always say, whoa, we don't have that here <laughs> because there's just too much other things going on. But they do in Africa. That's why God is blessing them. He warned them, but now he's blessing them. Next slide. In 1992, they built the Shrine of Our Lady of Sorrows. This is the shrine. Look at these people. We think we have a nice crowd here today. This is bigger. Look at that. So let's finish by just recapping the message. Okay. The appearances in Cabejo were greatly relevant back then, but they're very critical now. In 1982, Our Lady said her message was not just for Rwanda or Africa, but for the whole world. And she also said it's timely. Timelessness is important because it applies to every age. Repent, 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 convert while there is time, Our Lady said over and over. Our Lady said the world conducts itself very badly. She said the world is rebellious against God. It commits too many sins. It has neither love or peace. If you do not repent and do not convert your hearts, you will fall into the abyss. I am concerned with this, and I am turning and begging you for your prayers and conversion. The world is evil and rushes towards its ruin, but there is hope. The hope. What is that hope? She replied, faith and unbelief will come. Now listen to this. When you don't see it, it'll be unseen. It'll sneak up upon you and catch you unexpectedly. Did anybody have any idea 
10 years ago that we'd be seeing what we're seeing now? Not at all. She says, pray for the church because many troubles are upon it in the times to come. Boy, have we seen that. Then, on her day, August 15, 1982, they saw Our Lady crying. And so the Mother of God, they said, was very saddened because of people's unbelief and lack of repentance. She complained of our bad way of life, which is characterized by the slackness of customs, the likeness of evil, and continuous disobedience to God's commandments. This is where they saw a river of blood, people being killed, unburied bodies, and other very troublesome images. It's like what Our Lady said at Fatima, of a greater war that'll happen if we did not change. Now, being our loving mother, though, she constantly has hope. She gave the visionaries the antidote. She gave them the penicillin, the perfect cure, the rosary, and the chaplet of seven sorrows. This was a motherly directive to change things. She's interceding. She said, just please listen. Last paragraph. From the beginning, she said, convert while there is still time. It is very important, very important. Now, here's what I want to finish. I, don't, I bet you don't know this, but we Marians are the main religious community in Cabejo. Father Leshek, one of our priests, started this way before the genocide, before the genocide. We've got biblical studies there. We've got uh, houses there. We've got museums there. We've got faith centers there. If you'd like to help to, to build this in Rwanda, just if, we won't keep a dollar of it here in the United States. We'll, we'll send it all there if you want to help support this mission. And so let's look at the next slide because this is Immaculate again. This is Immaculate if you, if you haven't seen her. She works with us Marians. And she helps to promote the need of healing in Rwanda. It's all about forgiveness. And she explained that Our Lady said, pray the rosary, my children. And here's what she said, pray together. Make prayer groups and give each other strength. Every day, pray the rosary and pray the seven sorrows chaplet, at least on Tuesdays and Fridays. At least on Tuesdays and Fridays. Mary said, no one will reach heaven without suffering. A child of Mary does not reject suffering. It is both a means of compensating for the sins of the world and participating in Jesus' and Mary's sufferings for salvation. So the visionaries were invited by Mary to accept suffering through faith in love, mortifying themselves and denying themselves pleasures for the conversion of the world. That is why Cabejo is a reminder of the role of the cross in the life of a Christian and the church. We can't avoid it. The seven sorrows rosary is the best way to face and meditate on Mary's suffering, like the Divine Mercy Chaplet is on the sufferings of Jesus. So the seven sorrows, but does not finish with the cross. Neither does the rosary. What does it finish with? The resurrection. And so when Mary first appeared to Alphonsin, she said, and notice that she was serving others at the time. She was serving. She was, she was being works of mercy. And so Immaculate said, the number one message of Our Lady of Cabejo is service. Serve one another. 
and then repent. Actually, I've read it before where it was repent and then serve others. But you know what? Let's make it easy. Do both. She went through much suffering and most of all in the genocide. The, the, the first seer, Alphonse, she became a nun. Doesn't this sound like Fatima? One of the three seers, and she became a nun. And she became a nun in Italy. If we share in the sorrows of Mary, we shall also share in her joys. Now, one of the things that I should mention is, why do we think of Mary having sorrow? Why do we talk about the sorrows of Mary? Chris Sparks, one of our theologians, says it kind of seems strange because we think of, you know, Mary, she's in heaven. Uh, why do we think of Our Lady of Sorrows? She's in heaven. She's the most blessed of all women, the greatest of all creatures, beloved and honored by God. Why is she sad? Well, she joined her son in his sacrifice and sufferings on earth. So she's got plenty to offer God. Listen, you don't think, you know, people say, where's Mary in the Bible? Okay, you ever hear that? Oh, well, she's only mentioned a small part of the chapter of Luke. Well, the whole first chapter of Luke is to Mary, but it goes beyond that. Listen to this. Mary joined her son in so much suffering. Have you ever meditated on this? First of all, the uncertainty of being pregnant. You know the law, if an unmarried woman became pregnant, she could have and should have been condemned to death. You don't think that causes sorrow? Not only that the whole world looks at you or your whole town, that you're a sinner, but now you may be put to death for it. The next, the humiliation of having to travel while she was heavily pregnant to search and find lodging next to animals just to give birth. The uncertainty of being in a stable and the fear of Herod chasing him down. You don't think that caused sorrow? What about the flight into Egypt, a pagan land, knowing nobody there, having to uproot everything? Ladies are much better than men. They, 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 they have beautiful roots established wherever they live and wherever they, they exist. And Mary had to uproot everything. What about losing Jesus for three days? I always laugh at that, like losing, losing the son of God. That had to cause sorrow. Losing her husband, Joseph, before her son began his public ministry. Joseph died. The sorrow that that must have caused. Now she's alone, single parent, watching her son be persecuted, tortured, scorned. The torture, then the death of her son. Watching any parent having to watch that causes great sorrow. Being left behind by Jesus when he ascended into heaven. Now she's again on her own. I mean, you can see the sorrows here. So the sorrows are what we need to reflect on. And when we turn to our next slide, Our Lady had many, many sorrows, and she continues to have many sorrows today. This is why we are going to console her Immaculate Heart in a few minutes. The whole purpose of the first Saturdays is to console the Immaculate Heart of Mary, to make reparation for the blasphemies against her. And so Our Lady, let's look at this, Our Lady of Cabejo. Now, the message there was Yina Wajumbo, the mother of the word. This is on the left. On the right is Our Lady of Sorrows on September 15th. This is the connection. Our Lady is sorrowful. Now, she, you ever wonder about laboring? You know, there's a big debate 
about Mary being portrayed in different movies. I think The Chosen might be one. I think, uh, I think there's a couple other movies like Mary of Nazareth or whatever that showed Mary had pain in childbirth, right? Now, did Mary have pain in childbirth? Did Mary have pain in childbirth? Revelation 12.1 says she did. Now, wait a minute before you say father. Don't be saying this. She is laboring in heaven to give birth to the mystical body of Christ. All right. To bring us into eternal life. All souls, many souls. If we just will follow, follow her. Now, when she labored to give birth to Jesus, the church fathers tell us she had no pain. All right. So when Mary gave birth to Jesus, she had no pain. Now to bring life to the whole church, she is also giving birth. Now this is where she has labor pains. When she gave birth to Jesus, no pain. She's also the mother of who? The church. And when she gave birth to the church in Revelation 12, 1 through 5, She's now bringing to life the whole church throughout time and history. She labors in pain because we don't heed. Now, this is where it ties into the Marians. Let's look at our next slide. These are the Marians. The Marians have a particular connection with Our Lady of Cabejo under the title of Our Lady of Sorrows. This is incredible. In fact, we have a shrine there. Let's go to our next slide. We spread this message throughout Africa about Mary and the seven sorrows. That's our Marian shrine in Rwanda. This is important. Why? Because we'll see on our final slide, this is the tie to divine mercy. Slide 19 here. The theme ties to divine mercy given to prepare the world for Jesus' second coming. Now, here's where it all ties together, everybody. Jesus told St. Faustina that through the message and devotion of divine mercy, she was going to help prepare the world for his final coming. Mary brought Jesus into the world. She's also going to be instrumental in his second coming. We never hear about this. All right. God wants to save us all. He wants us all to have a chance to come to heaven with him, with him in the end. But in justice, not everybody can if they choose to turn away. His mercy can only be given to those who are willing to accept it and repent. All you have to do, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, a poor sinner. Get to confession. That is your active repentance. In order to accept his mercy, we need to participate. We need to ask him, beg his mercy, go to the sacraments, go to confession, go to communion. So the graces promised through the seven sorrows rosary are very important. They're an accompaniment to the graces promised through divine mercy. This is interesting. Divine mercy offers us a pathway to Christ and his church, but so does the seven sorrows rosary through the disciple of Mary. What is Marian consecration? To Jesus through Mary. So in divine mercy, Christ gives us. He is the answer. Divine mercy is mankind's last hope of salvation. But we are afraid sometimes. A lot of people don't come into church. Father, if I walked into church, a lightning bolt would strike. Father, if I came into church, it burned down. 
Father, if I came into church, I'd probably, I'd probably die because I'm so sinful. So God gives us this gift in Mary to be able to help lead us back to that divine mercy. And how through uniting with her sorrow, because we are sorrowful, we, and it connects for the sake of his sorrowful passion. The seven sorrows chaplet is for the sake of her sorrowful, really a passion. She didn't die a red martyrdom, but a white. So what's red and what's white? Divine mercy. Jesus died the red passion, shed his blood in divine mercy. We pray the chaplet for the sake of his sorrowful passion. We have the red and the image of divine mercy. We have the red and the white. But Mary also went through a sorrowful white passion. She went through a suffering that most of us will go through. All of us will. We will not all die a red martyr like Jesus. If we do, we are elevated as a martyr in heaven. Praise be to God for the saints that have gone before us and have done that. But in the white martyrdom of the sorrowful sorrows of Mary in the seven sorrows chaplet, it much more relates to us because most of us, some will, but most of us are not red martyrs that are comfortable enough to go directly to Jesus. So he gives us a way to get there, his mother, because most of us will die a white martyrdom. We will suffer. We will be persecuted as Christians. We will see the sufferings of our children and our loved ones. Right now, I'm seeing it with my parents. We will see it with the sufferings of our country. We will see it with the sufferings. Just like Mary, she had to flee her own country. This is the white sorrowful, the, the, the martyrdom, the white martyrdom. So put them together. You have the, the red and the white, and we have divine mercy linked and Mary to, Mary, uh, to Jesus through Mary. You see this connection? It's amazing. So these graces promised through the seven sorrows rosary or chaplet, are, they accompany the graces promised through divine mercy. Divine mercy offers us a pathway home to Christ, and Mary gets us to Jesus. To Jesus through Mary. And that's why we put up there, Our Lady of Cabejo, pray for us. If you are suffering in any way, this is one of the best devotions because Mary will lead you to the cross of her son, but that's not the final word. The final word is the resurrection, but we got to go through that cross, but she'll make it as painless as possible. You know how mom used to help you when you were sick or you were young? I still never forget my mom. When I was sick and I'd be vomiting profusely, she was always there. She would stay with me the whole night. She'd hold my head if I was really literally becoming sick. She would never leave my side. Now, my mom's not God. Of course not. But boy, did my mom intercede for me and directly help me. And your mom can do the same. Even if you don't have a biological mother, your spiritual mother. God bless you. And Our Lady of Cabejo, pray for us. At this time, we're going to do exactly what heaven asks us to do, is we're going to do the first Saturday devotions, because Our Lady asks us 
to turn back to Jesus. And Jesus said at Fatima, I want you to make reparation for the sins and ingratitude towards the Immaculate Heart of Mary. The blasphemies against her divine maternity, against her perpetual virginity, against her immaculate conception, blasphemies against children, causing them to hate her, against images in, in sacred statues and sacred images. And so today, right now, Mark's going to power down this, to this, uh, this video. And we ask you to, in a few minutes, he'll come back up. In two minutes, I'll be here. We're going to begin the first Saturday devotions. And we'll lead you through exactly what you got to do to receive this grace that Mary promised on this first Saturday. God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content, which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit DivineMercyPlus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's DivineMercyPlus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily Masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.